funny story. I'm in the grocery store and I see these two grown men both racing their way to the area of the grocery store where the turkeys would be. And there's one turkey left in the bin and they're, they now start like a verbal argument. There's an altercation happening in the grocery store over who got there first for this turkey. And there's me and a few other women standing there giggling to ourselves because... Thank you so much for joining us for another episode of the Life Money You podcast. And I am here with my regular co-host, Bjorn. But we have a special guest today, Bjorn. And uh, would you like to introduce who we've got joining us today for this special holiday episode? We do have a special guest, Jill Sammons, who is both of our leader. And uh, she has been a friend and a boss and uh, everything in between. She leads our brand strategy. Jill, I feel like you're involved in just about everything at BC. We actually met about a decade ago when I was working in a different well-being position at one of our company partners and Jill and I were out getting bagels for lunch and learn. A very memorable <laughs> moment. And since then we've stayed close and now we get to work together, which is wonderful. And Jill has a ton of experience in marketing. She's led this wellness program for the whole decade and has get, gotten to see it grow over time. And now has recently taken on also the wealth advisor area at BCU too. But you also have a family. And I think that's maybe a little bit of where we're going to go today. So thanks so much for being here with us. We are very excited to have you. This is so much fun. I have been watching you both from afar for a while now. And to be here, feel I really feel special. And yes, you're right, Bjorn. It was, I still remember very well that first meeting. I was in the back seat of your car driving around downtown <laughs> Minneapolis looking for the bagel place that started with a B, I think. Brugers. Brugers. There we go. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Little plug. They're not a. They're not a sponsor. <laughs> not yet, yet but, but they can contact we just us. Gave them but we plug, do love bagels. So. Yeah, we do love bagels. <laughs> Boy, I could go for a Brugers bagel right now. So, Bjorn, would you say it's fair that if an alien came down and said, "Take me to your leader," you would? take them to Jill's. I would. Yeah, I think so. I think so. And you would be in the front seat of the car this time, Jill, not in the back seat of the car. And I still have about the same level of cars. Sorry (laughs) sorry about that. It's an SUV instead of a Civic or anything. Exactly. Right. right. It was a Honda Civic. Oh, Ronda the Honda. Special. (laughs) So one of the things that a lot of people haven't seen is Jill has been instrumental in collaborating with us on so many things. And so one of the things that I was actually talking to Jill probably, gosh, a couple months ago, was the holidays. Jill, you have a really interesting story. We have talked a little bit, maybe we'll get more into it today, but you have generations on either side of you that I think give you an interesting perspective on the holidays, the parental units on one side and kid units on the other. And Bjorn, you have some younger kids. And that's what I really wanted to talk about today. But before we get there, I'm going to put everyone on the spot and ask you an important question. So put your thinking caps on. Do you know how much Santa's sleigh cost him? Oh, you don't? It it was nothing. It was on the house. (laughs) (laughs) That's a little bit better than the last few. It's better. better? Oh, right. We're going to have to start getting a 
a scale tell here and measure. Tell Peter's a new dad because the new dad jokes are. These are way better than anything I would have ever told before. So I didn't realize there was this whole world of these yeah. amazing jokes that I could when just. When you become a real dad, when you become a real dad, it just, it just <laughs> right. all of a sudden yeah. overnight. Just lean into it. The dad jokes and the dad bod, I am just leaning into these days. So that is what we're doing. But I wanted to talk about the holidays. We are in holiday season here. I think for a, the three of us, we probably celebrate the same holidays. But for anyone who's listening, that celebrates a different holiday. Happy holidays to you and to whatever holiday you spend. But we'll probably get pretty specific here. For me and my household, and I grew up celebrating Christmas. And we've got Thanksgiving coming here imminently, very imminently. So between Thanksgiving and Christmas and the New Year's, the next 60 days of the year can be really jam-packed with a lot of stuff. And I thought, as Jill and I were talking, we were talking about holiday stress and the things that come with that and how we can help people. And I know that a lot of financial experts and personalities have talked about various things, but I wanted to go deeper here. I wanted to not stay at that high level about being thoughtful and mindful of things. That certainly helps. But what do you do to survive the holidays? What have you done to reinvent those for yourself? What it was like for as a kid to now as an adult or as a parent, and maybe that has changed and everything that goes with it. So I would love to start with, if we could, what was Christmas like for you as kids? And if you celebrate a different holiday, please let me know. But what was it like growing up? What were those holidays like between Thanksgiving, Christmas, and New Year's for you? Jill, how about we start with our guest today? Sure. I remember those years fondly. But I also remember them being very chaotic. I remember mom being always disheveled. But my fondest memory, and I do celebrate Christmas, but it wouldn't matter what holiday we celebrate. We had a lot of Jewish friends, so we would celebrate Hanukkah with friends as well. And there were gifts associated there. My mother has this magnificent gift for wrapping. And she would convert one of the rooms in our home to a wrapping room during the holidays and oh. watching her create things out of wrapping was just a wonder. And so when I look back, I'd like to say that there was a really memorable gift or item or something like that. But my fondest memory, my most vivid memory of Christmas is the gift wrapping and all the care that my mom put into that. The other thing that really stands out for me is a couple of family traditions. And maybe later when we talk about other things during the holidays, we can touch on this more. But a tradition that I didn't even realize at the time when I was a child would become so important to me was making gingerbread houses. And it became an all-day affair. And we were celebrating a family birthday, a getaway place. And the making of these gingerbread houses, which if you know me, there's a little bit of a competitive spirit in me. Every year, the competition for the best gingerbread house got a little fiercer. So that's a very fun memory for me as well. I got to ask, we'll talk more about that, but did you use only edible construction materials in the gingerbread house? No. Because... I always assumed you could eat everything that goes into a gingerbread house until I saw some very elaborate gingerbread houses <laughs> and then found out that below the surface, they are not meant to be eaten. But the phrase is below the surface. Yes, yes. yes. Underneath, yeah. so. Everything on the surface of mine would have looked edible, but yeah. maybe not. So. Uh, 
nibble on the shingles or anything that looks like a <laughs> gingerbread. And so were your mother's packages perfect, like perfect. the sharp edges, uh, points on the folding paper? Is that perfect. what they were like? Perfect. And she, she could look at a box and know exactly what size piece of paper. That blew my mind that she never even had to fake measure the wrapping on the box. She could just eyeball it and know what size wow. paper. I'm very jealous. I will tell you that is not my skill. What I try to do is I put something down and try to get the one side looking pretty good. And I just kind of pull everything together like a bargain basement facelift, the other sides, and then usually use a piece of packaging tape to hold it. But then it looks okay from the top. But if you roll that over, it's a big old mess. I appreciate someone who has the skill for that kind of precision work because I do looking at packages that are nicely done. The if you remember malls back in the day, oh, you wow. could actually buy <laughs> something <laughs> and take them to the gift wrapping station. And they always look beautiful afterwards and perfectly yeah. folded and trimmed. Yes. That was something I admire that people could do. Um, Jill, did you get to, did you get to open the gifts or did you just only get to look at them? <laughs> we did get to open them. Here's another, okay, little, okay. Here's another little Good. trick that my mom had. It was, she always had this thing about, she didn't want to ever give someone something hard without there being something soft to balance it out. And this went Mm -hmm. for birthdays and housewarming, anything she was giving a gift for. If she was giving you something hard, like a book, she would include something soft to go with it, maybe Mm. a pair of gloves or something like that. Interesting. She wanted Mm. psychologically to not ever give something that was hard without something soft. Wow, there was way more thought than I'm used to in those, but we're going to get back to that. I want to dig a little (laughs) deeper on all of this. Wow, your mother was very thoughtful. I feel like there are some ways to reduce stress just on that alone because, man, think about the the level of involvement, the mental involvement that you've got to go through to handle all that. But Bjorn, I want to ask you too, what was the holidays like for you as a kid? Full joy, wonder, and gifts that you appreciated? All of that, for sure. Um, All right, then on to Jill again. Yeah, that was, that's it. Yep. Thanks for taking my answer. You, you may have guessed, but I am Swedish, maybe with my name. And family, not just because we're Swedish, but family was a very important part of Thanksgiving and Christmas and um, all the time uh, around around those dates. But some of my fondest memories are having a big Larson family meal where my grandmother would make homemade everything, homemade meatballs, homemade uh, rolls. I, oh my gosh, I just, my mouth is watering thinking about that right now. Very much a Swedish traditional meal with all those things. Some of the men in the family would like to have lutefisk. You may or may not have heard of that. I have tried it. I am not going to be heading down that path. <laughs> so I may be shamed forever, but it's a, I don't know what you want to call it. It is fish. <laughs> Isn't um, it pickled or something? Yes. It's like Jello-y fish, which for most people, if you put those words together, they're not going to be trying it. But there is a very good cream sauce that goes on it. And that was just a tradition that we still keep it to today. And some of the people have it and most of us don't. So that's kind of a fun thing. But always time with all the family that is here in Minnesota, just such great memories. And in my immediate family, we would have kind of our own time, usually on Christmas Day together. And I just, one thing I remember is just having the hardest time sleeping because I was so excited to wake up and open up our stockings. And I don't even know, we, we probably got five hours, four hours of sleep. <laughs> Thankfully, we didn't 
wake my parents up too many of those mornings, but it was just hard to wait for all of that. And a few times there were some kind of bigger gifts that we got that kind of appeared in the basement, like a ping pong table. That was a really big year, mm -hmm. a very fun year. I was a big pool player and I always wanted to have a pool table and we got one, but it was the year I went to college. <laughs> so it was a funny time to get it. But I, what was great is I was close to home from school. So I was able to come back and use it and have friends come over. And so it was really fun to get that. But I just, those are some moments I remember that were extra special. And I know now that my parents stayed up all night putting those things together. There's no Santa? Yeah. Um, oh, uh -oh. spoiler alert. Sorry. If there's any kids listening, yeah. don't turn off your ears. Yeah. <laughs> Might have some yeah. 36 year olds whose heart are broken. <laughs> I think it's funny. It sounds like that pool table was a gift for your parents, not for you. <laughs> I feel like that news is hey, Bjorn, hope you're enjoying college. We converted your room into a billiards <laughs> hall, and it's for you, but we'll use it while you're I gone. I don't think so. they played very much. Yeah. yeah. But. It was a good draw for the college students to come home and uh, play on that. So it was fun. But yeah, lots of good time, lots of good meals. I plan to continue that tradition. <laughs> now, what I want to ask you to, too, was Christmas a big gift receiving season for you? Were your families of such that they had means to provide you a rockin' good Christmas morning full of presents and gifts. Bjorn, you mentioned opening stockings too, which, you know, certainly we did too. You dump that out first and then you'd go to some of the other stuff. So yeah, as a kid, I was excited. As soon as you opened your eyes, you were up Christmas morning because you wanted to go down. And it's not just the gifts from your family, from the extended family and other people. And it could look pretty impressive under that tree some years. So just kind of curious, what was the gift expectation for you growing up? I can jump in here. My mom's, I guess, love language is gift giving. She, like your mom, Jill, is an excellent wrapper of gifts. That, that did not get passed down to me either. I'm not good at that. It was amazing. We just had an amazing Christmases. A lot of generosity. I think they just loved doing that. They loved giving gifts. And I think what was neat is that they would even put small things in packages so we had a chance to open it. And so even if it was just a, an ornament, or a, which was special, but they would wrap everything individually. We had, uh, yeah, a lot of really memorable things, a lot of things we'd asked for, things that they knew we needed. I think they tried to balance that. For me, as a not a very big clothes shopper, that was a big time of year to get loaded up <laughs> on the wardrobe for the next year. That was good, but yeah, they always seem to have some of our most favorite things we were looking for. And it's just funny to think back to all the different stages of Nintendo 64 and Nagano Olympics and <laughs> some of the games that I wanted, and then it shifted to other things. So. Yeah, they were very generous to us. So very memorable times for sure. How about you, Jill? Yeah, and your mother liked wrapping gifts. So I have to imagine that yeah. you got to give the gifts unless she just <laughs> yeah. wants you to do a bunch of empty boxes. Right. Right? Yeah, exactly. You know? Exactly. It's interesting. I, I grew up in a, living in really modest means, but everything's relative. So for what my family could afford, there was always a number of gifts under the tree. And my parents always wanted us to have the same number. I come from a family of four children and we always all had the same number of gifts. There was always at least one homemade gift. And so we always had a list, right? We had our dreams and we had a list, but it was really the meaning behind the gifts that meant more to us. There was always one thing that off of our list that just felt 
out of reach. I know I probably won't get this. This is either more expensive or too big or too elaborate or something. And so somehow, some way, my parents made it work where we all got one of those out of reach things. And then everything else was just more, there was a little bit of sentiment behind each thing. I do want to say, though, that outside of my own childhood, there are a couple of things that stand out to me that I think have so much more meaning today than they even did at the time. And maybe because I'm an adult now and I'm living through, some would say, the start of a recession, but inflationary period and everything. And that's that grandmother, I come from on my father's side, Polish descent. And my grandmother would make this special kind of coffee cake. And she, as you can imagine, you'll all guess my age now, but she was an adult living through the depression years. And so this coffee cake is called a babka. And when you make a babka, it's made typically with raisins. And if you really want to make it fancy, it's made with white raisins. And white raisins are more of a premium raisin than a red raisin. And so when she would make this as a young wife, they couldn't afford all the white raisins it would take for the recipe. So she would cut the raisins in half to make them go further. And when I was a child celebrating the holidays, going to her house, she would sit my brothers and sisters and I down with a cup of white raisins and tell us to cut the raisins in half because (laughs) we couldn't afford to put the whole raisins in the coffee cake. And it tasted exactly the same. So it makes me think today Mm. how smart she was to stretch the dollar back then. And then the other thing was that My kids, if they were here, would tell you, similar to your ping pong table story, Bjorn, they would tell you that the year that my husband and I gave them a foosball table is one of their favorite Christmases. And Mm. we did the same thing. It was set up in the basement, covered with a sheet. We told them all. It was equally for all three of them. And it created hours upon hours of fun for our family. But the reality that they never even realized was that we could not afford a good quality foosball table. So we bought one used on what was then really popular Craigslist and drove to someone's house a couple days before Christmas and loaded up this foosball table in the back of the minivan and brought it home and hid it in the garage. No one cared that it had some dings in the plastic and that it wasn't brand new out of a box. It still was just as fun. So we were able to provide something that we otherwise couldn't have afforded. Interesting that you talk about having the experience, right? You kind of give them this gift, but it's about the experience. I don't know. This is an aside, but have you seen the movie 8-Bit Christmas? This will be a kind of an unpaid plug either. No, it's, I, have not. I think it was an HBO movie, but we watched it last Christmas and it's about funny. It's about ancient history where a kid wants a Nintendo as a kid. It's a flashback to the nineties <laughs> and he's retelling the story about him wanting a Nintendo and his father is trying to get him to understand the holidays are about the experiences and the memories and not the thing. And so I don't want to spoil the movie at all, but if you have not seen eight big Christmas and if you are someone who ever Rented a movie at Blockbuster. I think you will have a special appreciation for this movie. <laughs> there are a lot of inside jokes that other people would not get. 
and holiday traditions of seeing Santa at the mall and lots of other things that aren't as popular anymore. So I would highly recommend that because Jill, I think your story is that story, but in real life. And it's a good one. It's a feel good movie. Neil Patrick Harris stars, just a really good, good movie. Definitely check it out. Nice. So I wanted to ask you more about that and the gift giving. And when you look at gift giving as a kid, and you have done gift giving now as parents, and we'll probably maybe continue to do that. When we talk about stress around the holidays, I feel like the gifts tend to be a big piece of why people feel stressed around the holidays because of all the things that are byproducts of wanting to give people gifts. And I'm just kind of curious, has your thought on gift giving and Jill, you're hacking that by buying something used, but gives exactly the same value, whether there's a dent in the plastic on the side or not. Seems like your experience of playing foosball is going to be exactly the same. But have your thoughts about gift giving changed or evolved? Or have you made adjustments or come up with tips or tricks or hacks to make the gift giving more bearable and pleasurable at the same time? Yeah, I would say just because I love gift giving. But I don't love gift giving because something might have more monetary value than something else or that I feel like special because I can afford to give someone something of high monetary value. What I really love about gift giving is that I know something special about the person I'm giving the gift to and choosing a gift that I know will touch them and that they will understand the spirit with which I have selected that for them because I know them on a level that would prompt me to find something. It's about the hunt. It's hunting for the thing that you know that person will love. And so from one holiday to the next, from one occasion to the next, from one year to the next, one year I might spend three times as much as I do the next year, but no one's keeping score. No one's counting because I've tried in my life, whether it's friends or family, to make it more about my understanding of that person and what they find joy in. And I get joy out of watching their reaction to opening something that I selected for them or or something that my kids have always done and they did it on their own. I can't take any credit for this at all, but my kids are adults now. Some years their gifts to me and my husband or their grandparents were letters that they wrote to them. And they just put down their thoughts and these really personal, special feelings that they were having about them. And I don't think any, I think people really underappreciate how much value can come from a handwritten note and the very carefully chosen words that are used and how that can be put away someplace and pulled out any day of the year. And you can feel just as special as the day it was given to you. Do you think that a lot of people struggle with this? I feel a little bit, Jill, like Sometimes the monetary value of the gift giving is set as the threshold that people have to meet, especially say grandparents, they buy a gift for one grandkid mm-hmm. and now they buy a gift for the other one. And it's not as much as the other person. Hey, we got to get them something mm-hmm. else Sure, try to keep everything equitable for everyone. Is that a temptation for people to just rise to a certain spending point for everyone? 
Well, I think it absolutely is. I think we talked about it, both Bjorn and I talked about it a little bit about the, there's an anticipation and an expectation. And I don't think as parents or grandparents or other relatives, we ever want to let somebody down or not meet their expectation. So I do think one of the hacks you hear all the time is do a grab bag and set a limit. And so I think honoring those limits is really important when you're doing, you know, I, my family always did a grab bag amongst the cousins. So these were kids who we would put their names in the hat. And really what that was born from was because of all the stress of shopping for all these kids. And we At that point in our lives, as we were, my siblings and I were all adults, and we were talking about our kids all giving to each other, they already had so many things. We wanted it to be either something charitable or have them walk away with one gift and giving one gift to another cousin. And what we did in that case was we set a limit, we honored the limit, and then we said, When you, we would celebrate on Christmas Eve, when you are surprising everybody with no one knows who has each other, you first have to say something you love about that person and then why you chose the gift you chose. And so it added an additional layer of meaning and maybe took down the spending limit a notch because you weren't focused on the cost of the gift. You were focused on, oh, they just said, this about me and why they chose this. And then as parents, we would match the cost of that gift and each cousin would choose a charity that they would want that equal amount to be given to. So the kids were raised with the idea of getting and giving at the same time. I like it. One of the other things, and I thought about this before, the white elephant type of gifts, if you do some of those in the office and they set a $10, $20 price max, The fun thing about that sometimes is trying to be creative within your budget, trying to find Mm -hmm. something that's unique or off the wall. And so I think uh, sometimes it can do double duty, get your spend lower, but also help you maybe think Mm -hmm. more outside the box on some of those as well. I'm curious, Bjorn, what about you? Four girls in the house, all young, probably primed for receiving a (laughs) Christmas tree full of gifts. Just kind of curious, what is Christmas and gift giving and budgeting and all that or look like for a family of six? Expensive. Yeah. I, my kids have started to discover the, the magazines in the mail. And now that's like their favorite thing is to, <laughs> I don't know why we let them look at those, but they look through it. And my oldest um, goes through in circles, everything and puts her name now next to all of the gifts. I mean, mm. you know, there are probably 200 things in there and we probably have about 150 of them circled. There's a lot of things to choose from. So initially when we had just one or two, just did whatever. But now three, four, we got to start to have a little more structure. We have adopted the the four gift idea, something you want, something you need, something to wear, something to read. That's been our method. It's worked very well. We definitely are following the equal number of gifts, Jill, like you said. They get gifts from both sets of grandparents. They get gifts from aunts and uncles. They get gifts from great aunts and uncles. We only have so much room in our house. So I'm not concerned about how much they're going to get. We do have a dollar limit, but we don't try to do an equal amount of money for each of them because like 
my one and a half year old, like her gifts are going to just probably be less expensive because of her age. And but we do stick to the four gifts. She rounds the numbers out, right? To exactly the whole right. Dollar. So she doesn't. Yep. She's doing mental count. She's like, okay, but <laughs> when I get older, I yeah, you better make up for it. Yeah. So that keeps it a little bit under control. We've had a lot of talking this year already about what we're thinking, and I'm all in on experiences. I think that is challenging with younger kids because they don't do the one for one. They're kind of like, that was nice, but now I'm ready for my presence. They want to open something. So I'm not sure exactly what we'll do there, but we have talked about like a bigger gift to have all together where we're, you know, doing like a indoor water park or going to a show, like a concert or something like that, which I think would be really a special memory, but we have to figure out the translation for them. Maybe we'll give it on Christmas as a gift and then it'll be happening after. And that's when we can get around it. But yeah, we have had to set some kind of parameters on that. And I think it is hard with young kids because I want them to dream big. You think it's, that's the fun part about all this is that they get to dream big, but some of the ideas are a little bit of a stretch for mom and dad right now. It's always a balance. And I think the nice thing is that they have so many ideas that we can give some of those to other people too. And so that, that helps on that front for them to get a, f a few more things. And as we all know, for younger kids, some of the times just playing with the wrapping paper is the gift or it's just silly or silly. You spend all this time and yep. there's a little bit of stress, I would say for sure, because of the not wanting them to be disappointed feeling like you, you want to wow them and show them how much you know about them and love them. And I love what you said, Jill, about just the kind of, it sounded to me like you're kind of having a shared experience in the gift giving, like you're having an experience with that person, which I think is a cool way to look at it. A little harder with younger kids because I think they're thinking more about the <laughs> trivial thing. thing. Exactly. I think the more we can help our kids try to work out of that <laughs> a little bit, I can't totally change them, but I think we will attempt to do some more experiences as they get older. And I hope those will be fun memories. Like I would love for it to be a memory they look back on in 20 years. Yeah. Like the experience of let's return some gifts, everyone. So let's <laughs> yeah, get yeah, your stuff yeah. and head back right. to the store. And I want to show you how that works. Yes, exactly. In store credit versus the cash back. It's great. I always wondered why I keep getting mail order catalogs in the mail. It seems so antiquated, but now I know they are smart like a fox, Bjorn. We were at Crazy. Target last night and we're in the self-checkout line, just doing like a normal Target run and we're all together and they got a stack of these things right next to the, and it's, huh, wonder why they have them sitting there. And, and then all my kids wanted to take one. I was like, no, just one. <laughs> we can mm -hmm. share it. Like you don't all need to have one. Yep. So the car ride home, you know, we're we got the light on and they're paging through this thing, <laughs> seeing what's out there. Wait till so. you get the Lexus December to remember flyer sent to the home. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. She'll circle that and write her I grab right those, by. right. Yeah, right, I grab those. Right. Yeah. Only yep. one, Bjorn. You and, yeah, the big you and bow. And, yeah. <laughs> exactly. Uh, wait, go back. Was it something to wear? No, something you need, something you want, something to wear, something to read. Is that what it is? Something you want, something you need something to wear, something to read. There's a, it's a rhyme. Okay. Need and read have to rhyme. So I feel but yeah, like it's an same. ugly Christmas sweater with <laughs> yes, exactly. a story on it is... Oh, the story on it, exactly. Oh, that's right. a two-part. Right there. You, got, you want it, right. you need it. <laughs> 20 years of getting ugly Christmas sweaters, and they won't know any different. And so, cheap. No. so it sounds like gifts are still on the table here, and I'm curious. We are in a high-inflation environment. I don't think there's any arguing about that. There is the threat of a looming recession, economic slowdown. Has that changed your thinking or got you thinking about things more or differently as you approach the holiday season of 2022 and beyond? 
Yeah, I mean, I'm definitely thinking about trying to get ahead of the game here. I did see that some retailers are starting to do early Black Friday sales. And so I think just trying to take advantage of some of those options. I think per some of the other conversations we've had, Peter, on the podcast here are looking for gift card discounts, you know, looking for other coupon codes that you can apply. There are small hacks that can add up to big savings. I mean, I'm just thinking of four times four is that 16 gifts right there just for the family and then my wife and I, and then extended family. So it starts to add up fast. And I think we'll have to probably do a little work on figuring out who are we getting gifts for. And it's possible this year that will be less, fewer people, because we won't be able to afford as much of a reach as we've had before. So there might be some realities, but I think I think we can start with just within the same world <laughs> as the past, how can we get it for less, which can help offset that increased cost and then have the bigger conversations later if we need to. How about you, Jill? Any thoughts on that? Yeah, shared a couple of them already, I think. But uh, one additional one that comes to mind is that during the holidays, it's usually a time where my husband and I will make it a point to invite friends or extended family members out for dinner. And it feels like every Friday or Saturday night in the month of December, we're booked going to one of these holiday dinners. And we were just talking last weekend about we have a home that we've moved into during the pandemic that a lot of people haven't seen. And wouldn't it be nice if we cooked a meal and had everybody here? No. And certainly groceries are more expensive, but it's bound to be less expensive than going out. And if we are the ones hosting and we cook these meals and invite friends and family over, then that can be our gift to them. And if we went to a restaurant, we would split the bill or something like that. In this case, it's more about the company than the location. And in this case, we can cook for them, save them some money on some groceries, save them on going out and get to still spend time together. So I like that as say someone who would be on the receiving end of that and being invited to <laughs> someone's home to go. Personally, I like it because then you're not feeling obligated to vacate a table for someone else, right? You can burn some more time, maybe have the extra bottle of wine. So I think as someone who would be the person I prefer to be invited to than to cook, because that's not a gift for anyone, that I appreciate those and enjoy those more than going out. I certainly like going out, but especially when you have a group of people and it can be noisy and sometimes you want to step away from the table and talk to some of the other people or the other guys or whatever it is, sure. start up a conversation about golf. Those types of things can happen much more easily. And the other thing I might throw out there too is I know even in my extended family here, some people have a house that is set up for entertaining, but they don't necessarily always like doing that because they, it always defaults to them. And so they're always on the hook for buying foods. I would say that as people think about that, if you want to have people over, but you're worried about, hey, the cost is going to be shouldered by me, rethink it. Can you do a potluck? Can you have people yeah. bring a dish so that, you know, you can still provide <clears throat> that location? Because what people don't think about sometimes is the cleanup afterwards, the throwing sure. stuff away, the doing of the dishes, sweeping the floors. There's a lot of post-hosting yep. work that happens for people. And so that can be a big deal. And it's easy, like I said, for me as someone that goes to a party or an event to forget that, man, I'm just leaving, going back home, sitting on my couch, but this person is going to spend the next day cleaning. So I want to try to share those as much as possible, especially when we're used to putting that burden on someone else. So I really love that. And I think that's a great way to go, lower cost, but 
personally a better experience. Bjorn and I talked about a previous episode, how we like buffets at weddings, yeah. the ability to do what you want. Yet a lot of people <laughs> don't want to do that because they think, you know, the plated the meal. Perception. Is, yes. So I would definitely keep that in mind here as you're doing stuff and just let me and Bjorn know what time we should be there because <laughs> yeah, we will yeah. certainly bring something. We won't come empty handed, Jill. Not Neanderthals. We'll, the invitation's we'll definitely... in the mail. Yes, I... Ant, I can do ants on a log pretty well oh, here. So. Delicious. <laughs> Anyone have a peanut allergy? <laughs> yeah. So the other thing I want black raisins or white raisins. Oh, oh we'll have to cut them in half. But Jill, yeah. this is how cultured your mother was. I didn't know there were white raisins. <laughs> Neither did I. So, Neither did I actually. So there you go. Yeah, that's true. All the sense in the world to me, but all I got were the dark raisins growing up. I love how she was stretching the raisins, but that's a whole other <laughs> level of living I had no idea existed. You have added stress to my holidays because now I have realized <laughs> yeah. I've been deprived of white raisins this whole time. They are probably delicious. Bjorn, if you were like me, I have only had the brown, purplish raisins. And now if I have these white raisins and they are delectable, I'm going to be so upset. Yeah. Maybe you'll get to experience termites on a log then. <laughs> yes. Those little clear eyeless insects. What about traveling around the holidays? Do you guys have to travel anywhere to see family? Does anyone come in? Do you have to bounce from house to house? What obligations do you have around holidays? Yeah, Emily's, my wife's family's in Kansas. We switch every other holiday, Thanksgiving and Christmas, and head that way. So have a little bit of a road trip, but usually the weather is nicer there than it is in Minnesota. That's nice and fun. You to, could have inserted any place. <laughs> exactly. That, Kansas and any other place. <laughs> yeah, it's fun to to be with them. And so we will typically celebrate, and depending on which one it is, we may do some Christmas stuff, but we usually try to see them again over the New Year's if we do Thanksgiving there. Yeah, a little bit of travel, but then the rest is local travel and don't have to go anywhere. I know some people tend to travel over that time too, like I've heard other families that go on trips or whatever, just because kids are off of school. So I've heard that can be kind of a fun experience type memory too, especially if you're doing Christmas in a warm place where there's I guess no snow. I'm used to that, but that'd be fun too. It's actually something that our family has toyed with the idea of no gifts. Now that our kids are older, just doing yeah. and there's like moods and how people feel around the holidays. And if you've experienced any kind of a loss or, and you're grieving at all, or things just for whatever circumstance aren't the same, maybe a divorce or something like that. And the holiday doesn't carry the same traditions and as it once did, traveling can be a really great escape from that. So, you know, that for many years, there was a whole routine about how we went about the holidays. There was a specific house we went to on Christmas Eve. We were at home Christmas morning in another relative's house Christmas Day. Now things have changed and that routine for many various different reasons can't happen and doesn't happen anymore. And is it time for our family to make some new traditions? And eventually things will come around to my kids having kids or families of their own and we'll need to settle back into a homebound Christmas. But what matters is that we're together and where we're together is probably less important. But I do want to make sure that with our time today, I think it would be important to acknowledge that the holidays are not happy for everyone. And what can we do to be empathetic and acknowledge 
how difficult the holiday season can be for others and be as uplifting in helping them in whatever way we can. Yeah, uh, great point. And the reality is, if you are getting older in life, just another day in the life bucket, there are going to be fewer people sometimes. And sometimes those traditions of holidays that have people in them are going to be different. And yeah, a lot of people are going to experience them differently. And I think that's something where I like what you were talking about, maybe just rethinking what the traditions are. There are a lot of traditions that I like, other good memories, they're fun, whatever. But just because you have done something for however many years, or your parents or your grandparents did them, doesn't necessarily mean that you have to do them. And what we've talked about before is where are you getting value and what is taking away value? What is taking away from the experience? Are you doing things like gift giving? We've talked about this before too. People like to give gifts. I think some people like to receive them, but it's not without some sort of cost. Effort, time, if it's a low cost gift, sometimes a monetary cost. I think the data has shown there's a lot of credit card hangover after the holidays because of all the expenditures, whether it is buying stuff, gifts, travel, you know, just the cost of entertaining and all these other things. And yet we continue to do it, maybe sometimes just because we think we need to. And what are we doing on the holidays that are adding to our mental well-being bank? And what are the things that are withdrawals from it? And if we can start just identifying those and taking away some of the things. So for me, and I don't think I've mentioned this on the podcast before, but my father had started a financial planning business when we were kids. I was just entering high school. My sister was in grade school. And one of the things that was happening is all the money was going to the business. And so we weren't having extravagant Christmases to begin with. That year, that first year or two, my parents said, listen, we're not doing Christmas gifts. And the funny thing is, as a kid, you don't really believe it. You almost think, maybe this will be the best Christmas ever. Maybe they're just playing with my mind. But when you get to Christmas and it is some chocolates, it's a dinner, but there are no gifts per se, it starts to dawn on you. And while I probably, and I know I felt slighted and some you know unhappiness with that, my sister being a little younger, I think took it even a little more personally. So depending on how old you are, you feel like you're missing out. But then the next year, maybe we gave a gift or two but the gifts never really came back. And it wasn't necessarily because the business didn't get there, but it was a lot because once you take that away from the equation, we were enjoying it, like you said, the experience more. I remember a few years later, instead of getting Christmas gifts, because we weren't doing it, one of the things that we did is we got up Christmas and we were told that, hey, tomorrow we're gonna go to the mall and you each get a hundred bucks to buy whatever you want. And then of course the mall, again, for those of you who are old enough to remember, everything was 60% off, right? After the holidays, it's, well, it's just clearing out stuff. That was a fun experience. You felt like you had some freedom. And like I said, we never really got back into the gifts. I even just saw my parents recently and they're coming back into town on Christmas. So we'll get to see them. But we're going to go out to a show, tickets to a play that I bought three or four or five months ago. And that's the only thing that we're doing that's an exchange of any type. Otherwise, it's just kind of like you were saying, Jill, whether it's foosball, Bjorn, it's getting together with family and going out and doing a family event. That's really what it's about. And to me, what I love about it is I have eliminated now the idea of 
what do I have to get for this person and that person? And are they similar? Or did I forget anyone? Or do I have to worry about them already having it? Especially in kind of the Amazon day and age where people are able to push a button and get the things that they need very quickly. And I think also being disconnected from people hurts being able to find something that they might need or even want in some cases. So now I don't have to worry about that. You can just kind of be in that moment and enjoy that. And I also feel like it helps extend the holiday mindset, because I don't know if you've ever felt like this, but in years past, when I had to get gifts, when I first got married and we were thinking about giving gifts to each other and we stopped that too, the holidays went really fast because you're doing so much stuff. I feel like you're really cluttering the mind and then all of a sudden the holidays are over and you feel exhausted. And so by getting rid of more stuff and just being in that moment and enjoying the holidays, really mentally extends them out too. Not sure how you feel about that, but I like that idea. I've just, you got me thinking a little bit about that concept of just giving my kids some money and going on a little bit of a shopping spree. I mean, that could be really fun. (laughs) We could have a lot of fun. I know some kids that would have a really good time. So that's an interesting idea. And what I love as I have coached people too, is we tend to think of all or nothing, right? Like you, like it's no gifts and only that or all gifts and not that. And so maybe you do half and half. Maybe you do some gifts so that there's a little bit of that, but then you have just a chunk that is some freedom and I do think that, especially for kids, young kids, I know they don't always feel the freedom to just go and do whatever. They We do an allowance and for chores, and so they've got some money, but they could be pretty excited about that, and that could be kind of a fun adventure. I still remember that in the mall. You know, we're just kind of going store to store, looking for that hidden gem, and just thinking, oh, I could buy a leather jacket. I could buy this toy. I could buy... And just <laughs> you're going through, and you're seeing all these possibilities, and it was really about the day. I don't even remember what I ended up going home with. Or anything like that. But I just remember that feeling with my sister or my parents and just spending the day at the mall, being in the mindset of what am I going to leave here with? So some treasure, I'm yep, sure. The treasure so. hunting. Yep. I think two days prior to that, you could have never afforded it, but now. Yep. Everything was <laughs> MSRP. Right. Yeah, exactly. Yo, go for well, it. I was going to add one other idea that I don't think I. I was able to share, but I think that can be another way to think about gift giving too, is something that my brother and I have started to do. We each have birthdays that are on either end of the holiday season. And we were feeling like we were getting like a birthday gift, then a Christmas gift, then he's giving me a birthday. And it just felt like a lot. And we enjoy doing things together. We enjoy concerts, we enjoy sporting events. And so for the last few years, we've just decided to go for a little bit nicer gift. That's a combo gift for both. And then we do it together. And we just do it sometime between November and March or whatever. Like it's just been that window of time. And that is super fun because we get to spend a day together. It's way less stressful because it's just one thing (laughs) that we're buying and it covers all the bases. So as you get older, I think like you were saying, Peter, the need to unwrap a bunch of gifts, it just isn't quite as important, maybe for some, but it seems to go away, especially with the, in the, Amazon age that we're in or Target or any retailer, basically. So that's been kind of a fun way for us to hack that a little bit and do something together. And Jill, to your other point, and I'd love to carry this conversation on about mood and the mental health side of the holidays, but I think it was either last Christmas or the Christmas before, we had some family over and in the family room, we have some couches around the room and then a TV. And one of the things that I have is a cousin who works on a preserve in Africa. So she's been there for several years. She lives out on the preserve. She lives alone with her dog. It can be very isolating. She does have internet. It's not super fast or anything. Dial up. Um, (laughs) It's not dial up. She's not on AOL. Maybe she's still in her 10 free hours that comes on the CD, but she does have 
a slower internet connection. But one of the things that we realized is when we we're all sitting around drinking our eggnog or our hot toddies or whatever, my aunt went ahead and turned on the TV and then put her iPad up against the TV and then FaceTimed her in and airplayed it to the TV. While she was bigger than everyone, we we're all going to sit in a circle. We had this conversation. She was a part of the whole evening on that uh, Christmas Eve or whatever night it was. I thought, what a great idea to bring someone in. You know, she was part of the conversation, talking to people. Sometimes some of the kids would run up to the TV and talk to her. And like you said, as opposed to it being by yourself in your hut on a preserve in the middle of Africa in the darkness, right? Now all of a sudden you're part of the festivities. And I think the technology can really help in a way that in previous years it couldn't. I, I know that for her, she really loved it when she did come visit, but she even mentioned how much she appreciated being dialed in and it was something I didn't even think about. It was something that someone else did. And I think it made a big difference, including some of the people is probably easier. And I think it can go a really long way for some of the people that need it. Yeah. So, so one of the few silver linings of the pandemic that we've learned how to connect together, even when we're not together. And where you hear on the news stations, you're already hearing it about how which day of the Thanksgiving weekend is going to be the have busiest travel day and if it's going to be air travel or car travel this year and, and all those kinds of things. And then the reporters are always at the airport to show how long the lines are and everything. In times when the dollar doesn't go as far and we all have internet or most of us have internet now, even if you're on a preserve somewhere... You can still be together. You can still connect together without the expensive travel. And it's always better to be able to touch someone and hug someone and have a live conversation. But if you can't, there are alternatives now that I think, again, just very few blessings from the pandemic, but that would be one of them from my perspective. Yeah, I was also thinking too, as you were sharing that, Jill, and it's a great reminder of just how different people think about the next couple of months and how it's it's not all fun and exciting. But another way I think to maybe you're talking about getting away and that could be kind of a good thing to do. Another thing that we have done before, which I think can also have a similar effect is giving back your time and energy, like working with an organization. Like we've done that as a family where we've, I think on the Friday between Thanksgiving and the weekend, we've done the Meals on Wheels thing, or maybe it was actually, no, it was Thanksgiving morning. And we showed up super early, but we helped pack meals and we got to go deliver it to some families. That was so meaningful and just great to be able to bless another family. And there are there are oodles of opportunities. And so that can just be another way to, you know, if, it, if you're going to be spending some of that time alone or and if you have options of getting together with some friends and doing that together, can just be a great way to think about others, help others and can cheer you up too through that experience. For sure. Yeah. The giving back is so important and it really does fill your cup so to speak when you know when you don't even realize it would but i think i would propose that we have an opportunity here to take something that i feel has become more trendy and that's in the last 5 years or so i've been hearing the term friendsgiving a lot more where you have a thanksgiving that maybe is among your friends and that with your family always why can't we extend that throughout the whole season we all know somebody who's alone or lonely and can't be with family or doesn't have family. So why not take that Friendsgiving principle and carry it through the whole holiday season? Because there's plenty of people that need it. 
Well, and the other thing that I love about the Friendsgiving and the Thanksgiving is that turkeys are actually a really good value for the amount of food you get out of them. (laughs) So I love Thanksgiving, and I will say that if you don't like cooking turkeys, which is something I don't personally enjoy, they do make the turkey in the bag. You poke a couple holes on it. You put it in the oven. It's already seasoned, ready to rock. So that's a easier way to go. But if you are into preparing your turkey, you can get a lot of meat for the dollar. And so if you like turkey sandwiches and all that, another good hack. And then, like I said, gives you ample opportunity to invite friends over, to have a meal, to make a meal, drop it off. I would encourage people that if you're looking for a way to make a difference in somebody else's life, if you go to YouTube or Instagram or TikTok and you just type in the search terms, feeding hungry children or meals for hungry children and watch some of those videos, you might not think your $5, $10 donation goes very far, but they feed a lot of hungry, many times orphan kids in a lot of different countries with your money. So if you're looking for something meaningful, I think that can be a great way to go. And if you watch some of those videos, I will tell you what, if you have strings on your heart, they're going to get pulled. It can be a great way to spend some money if you think, hey, Maybe some of these other things are more trivial. You're not going to make the impact. What a great way to go. We could carry on so many things. I have so many other questions for you. We didn't even scratch the surface. So we might have to check your calendar again, Jill, and have you on another time here. (laughs) But before we go, I would love to do a little popcorn here. What are some of your favorite tips or tricks for the holidays? Things that might save money, things that might be fun, things that you might have discovered, whatever it might be. One of the things that I would throw out here is that I didn't even think about this until my parents came and visited last weekend, and my father brought his newspaper along. Do you remember these? Big format. The news is printed on them physically. (laughs) But the funny thing is, when I remember when we would do Christmas gifts, very few Christmas gifts, after we turned off the Christmas giving in general, my parents would wrap the gifts in the comic pages. That is brilliant because we actually bought a few rolls of Christmas wrapping paper or holiday wrapping paper, and it is really expensive. So if you don't want to do that, it may be worth spending 50 cents and buying a newspaper and just using that because, as Bjorn, you said a little earlier, I don't think the kids care. They are just getting through the paper regardless, (laughs) right? If you are looking for a hack that way, it could be something. But how about you guys? Movies, fireplaces, what are your favorite things? What are the favorite things you like to do that... Maybe we should give a try. Yeah, another hack in the same vein of what you just said that we carry on throughout the year are we buy a stack of 500 cards, just blank with the envelopes, all different colors, and we just write our own notes and we don't spend $5 a card. And honestly, they're more meaningful because we write the whole thing and you can say whatever you want. And we probably spend $5 on that whole pack instead of $5 per card. So we just do that for every gift, every holidays. For Christmas, we don't do cards. We just do like a name on a package. That's another kind of inexpensive way, but but you can save a lot, actually. I don't know how much you spend per year on cards, but holy cow, they get expensive. (laughs) I guess mine is more of a tip than a hack, really. A funny story, I can remember running to the grocery store on Thanksgiving morning one year for, what did I forget, cranberry sauce or something like that. And I'm in the grocery store and I see these two grown men both racing their way to the area of the grocery store where the turkeys would be. So they're going to this refrigerated area in front of the butcher. And there's one turkey left in the bin. And they're, they now start like a verbal argument. There's an altercation happening in the grocery store over who got there first for this turkey. And there's 
me and a few other women standing there giggling to ourselves because neither one of these grown men realized that turkey was frozen that they were fighting over. And there was no way that they were going to be able to serve that turkey that day, no matter how hard they tried. So it really didn't matter who got to buy the turkey unless they were worried about who was going to serve it in about a week because that's, that's hilarious. how long it was going to take to defrost. So I would just, my tip is remember that if you have a frozen turkey, it needs plenty of time to defrost. So if you're mm. not buying it fresh, <laughs> and here's the tip, a day for every pound. So it takes a long time to defrost a turkey. And so you've got to give it that time. So one of those households was doing my favorite holiday Lunchables, which are just delicious. <laughs> a fan favorite. Exactly. I will that's say. right. That's right. I won't tell you which guy won. So Jill, I've got to ask, defrosting a turkey, because I don't know, is this something you just leave out? Is this something you no. have to put in the refrigerator? No. How do you defrost a turkey? You defrost a turkey by putting it in the refrigerator and you let the refrigerator, that's why it takes so long. And you definitely don't want to soak it in hot water or run hot water over it. If you get to the night before Thanksgiving and you didn't give it enough time and now you're worried that it's not going to be defrosted by the next day, you better have a plan B because it's not good for the turkey to be sitting in warm water or having warm water run over it. Let the Butterball hotline be your best friend if you've got any questions. <laughs> I've used it before, but you defrost it in the refrigerator. You should put it in the roasting pan in your refrigerator because sometimes the packaging does leak and you don't want that in your refrigerator. And then another tip would be most people really like the white meat more than the rest of the turkey. And so as beautiful as the presentation of the turkey is, in our house, what we do is we buy a whole turkey and then we buy a separate, just a turkey breast. And I cook the turkey breast a few days ahead of time and then slice that up and refrigerate it. And then I cook the turkey. And when we put it on the table, you've got a whole lot more white meat then because you can Interesting. put out the turkey breast. Ah, good hack, yes. So a 10-pound turkey is going to be a week-and-a-half-long preparation project, huh? Yeah, you just yeah. got to give it time to slowly wow. yeah. defrost in the fridge. And you heard it here, folks. If you forget, you can Butter just shower with your turkey, and that hot water will speed up the defrosting process, and it will be delicious. So just use shampoo and body wash on only the outside. So that uh, that sounds great. I think everyone is going to have a very nice holiday because of all of the great tips here. But like I said, so much more to decode here. I know a lot of people deal with a lot of stuff, whether it is mental or financial, emotional, the holidays bring up really good stuff and sometimes very painful things. And so what we want to do is wish you a happy holidays, but hope and provide you as much of our insights on how we get through the holidays with as little stress and as much happiness as humanly possible. So that is our discussion today for Life Money You, where we talk about life money so that you can get some ideas to help yourself out. So I want to thank Jill for joining us today and Bjorn, as always, for your tips. And we will see you next time. Thank you. Thanks, everyone.